0: Lesson about our relationship with our spouse, husbands and wives. This turns out to be probably not a traditional sermon or message, what you would consider, even though we begin and uh, we kind of end with some of the places that you would expect. We're going to be looking in Matthew 19, we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, and Ephesians is the passage that gives a lot of instructions for husbands and wives. And let me just key you in on the main emphasis of this lesson today, and that is when you look at Ephesians 5, starting to verse 22, and it goes through verse 33, talking about a husband and wife. In verse number 32, it says, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The information that's provided about husbands and wives is to teach us about Christ and his church. We're supposed to be learning as we go through our lives, and we might have, uh, for those of us who have a spouse, that relationship is to teach us and help us learn about what our relationship with Christ is really about. There's a reflection there that takes place. And so if you want to understand your relationship with God, you've got to understand your relationship with your spouse. And there's things that you can learn about from marriage that you can learn then much about God. So let's just begin with the beginning. In Genesis, uh, well, excuse me, Genesis is quoted here, but I want to go to Matthew because that's where Jesus, uh, as we look and we consider what God, when God, when, came, when he came down here and walked around in the flesh, he was asked about divorce and remarriage was the, the question. Uh, he was, you know, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason, you know, can, I, can a man send his wife away? For what's the reason that you can do that? So in verse number 4 of Matthew 19, Jesus answers and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined together, uh, and be joined, excuse me, to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Most important point that we can learn there is that God takes two and joins them together. That's the essence of marriage. God takes two and makes them one, joins them. And what God joins together then, we are not to separate. We're not even to start, but nobody can separate that really, right, except the two people involved. We think. I always think of that verse, let man not put asunder, you know, and you separate and you divorce. Well, separation, you, I want you to start thinking about is this, this idea that separation can take place over a gradual period of time and you start moving apart from each other. Divorce doesn't just happen all at once, does it? There is a commitment made and the two, or God puts two together, makes them one, And then the tendency, and we see this throughout our world, is that it's very easy for the two to begin to separate. And God says, don't separate. Don't even begin to separate. And definitely don't divorce. Don't cut it off completely. That's not God's intent. What God joins together, let man not separate. What God does, don't undo it. You should strengthen it. Bring it together. Um, So some of the things then that as God does join two together and make a husband and a wife, or as Scripture uh, calls it, a man and wife in some instances. Number one, there's some uh, points to this, some reasons for them coming together. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, you'll see... That as God made man in his image, and that's mankind, male and female, uh, according to verse 27, made them male and female in his image, and then in chapter Genesis 1, it says God blessed them and said to them, so here were the two that were joined together, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and Multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the world. Be fruitful and multiply. The command to the husband and wife, the man and the woman that were created in the likeness of God, they were put together, joined together, and God tells them, here's what you are to do, here's your purpose, and that is to be fruitful or be productive. Kind of the the thing that we would think about as work. Be fruitful, productive, and multiply. There's, there's the connection with having children, rearing, uh, making, it's reproducing who you are, multiplying. If you God created them in the image, in his own image, they were to bear his image, so they are to make more of those who bear his image. So they're to fill the entire earth. Be fruitful and multiply. They are. The beginning of the family, the point of the family, God's creation for the family, God's purpose for the family, is to uh, fill the earth with his image. His likeness all over the place. Doing his work, being productive for him, doing the things of God. So, a husband and wife joined together, forming a family to be fruitful and to multiply. And then as you go to Genesis chapter 2, we see some more purpose for the family and that is to provide companionship and i put complementary help a helpmeet a suitable helper look at genesis 2:18 the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make him a helper suitable for him and the new american standard even puts in the in the side there for the word suitable it adds the word um corresponding to a helper who corresponds to him when i hear this it, i think of two that are complementary you had Adam, and and God took Adam and took from his side and created somebody who was suitable for him so they could come back together and be complementary to each other. They work together. I think of uh, a book by Hillard or Willard, I don't remember what it was, but His Needs, Her Needs, some of you have probably heard of that. His Needs, Her Needs, we have different needs. Man and woman are different, but when we come together, we... Come together as one, we complement each other. We are not the same, we are different. And we need each other. That is how God designed it, is that we help each other in a complementary way. You You are better when you have a spouse come and join with you. And there's some information about that that kind of makes us already start to think about God a little bit. When we, uh, we think about God loving us, we are different than God. Because sometimes when two come together and you're with each other 24-7, that's when things get tough. And you, this, person, this other person compliments you, that makes things better. But sometimes that makes us, in our differences, it makes us butt heads when we don't do things God's way. And so when two different forces come together and we butt heads, that's when it's it's really hard sometimes to love each other, to stay committed to each other. It's hard. It, marriage is really difficult to stay focused on being one when the other person doesn't always think the same way you do. But that's a compliment to each other. You have to look at it as that. You have to understand that it's not good for a man to be alone. You need a helper who is complementary to you. It's not good for a woman to be alone. It's good to have someone who comes along and helps you and makes you more complete. And in our overall series about relationships, the overriding thought that we have is that we are to live at peace with everyone. And we understand that idea of peace as having a whole, complete relationship with each other. Wholeness, oneness, completeness—not butting heads—and it requires work because sometimes, when we don't think the same, when we don't act the thing same way, when we have different priorities, and we start to come together and butt heads, we got to figure out how to work together. And ultimately, that's how we're supposed to be working with God. We adjust to His ways. We're starting to think. Like Him, we're coming together. We want to be one with God. We have to give up our own ways of thinking and focus on Him. So husband and wife are joined together by God to be fruitful and multiply, to provide companionship and complementary help. And number three then, to show the relationship between Christ and His church. I've already read that verse in verse 32, but this is... An indication that we need to start thinking about Christ and His Church as we start thinking about our relationship with our spouse. Note um, on your on your outline today, I've provided uh, I've provided a, tri- a diagram, a triangle there, and above that triangle it says this, and this is the thought that. I kind of, this is a thought that comes from some of these verses. It's a thought that I think is important as we start to understand this main theme about how our relationship with our spouse, how it, uh, it informs our relationship with God. It helps us to understand our relationship with God. Here is the, the statement that I make. The best statement I could come up with, I hope, encapsulates a lot of what we're going to learn today. We must learn covenantal, faithful love that can be nurtured with two coming coming closer together instead of separating. This covenant requires turning away from others. So you think so just think about this for a second. Hopefully that's not too weird of a statement. But when you when you come together in a marriage, that is a, it's a covenant. It's a forever commitment. It's the closest thing that we have when we get married, and we stand before God, and we, you know, we say a lot of these things when we get married. Is it before, before God and these witnesses? I take thee to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, forsaking all others. It's a covenant. It is a promise before God, saying, "I will not forsake this," and it is. A deep and powerful statement. We must learn this idea of a covenantal love. That I am committed to this covenant. Covenant, faithfulness, love. Those things kind of come together and they're really defined by who God is. This is how God acts towards us. He makes a covenant to us saying... You you stick with me, I will always be there for you. I am always going to be faithful to you. I am never going to give up on you. You think back to the the sermon that we had, I don't know how long ago it was, not too long ago, and we said an unusual love story. And God said to um, Hosea, go take for yourself a wife um, from harlotry, you know, Go, take a, go, go get a wife who is a prostitute and bring her in and love her. That's an unusual love story, but that's God's love for us. He makes a, He grabs us, He brings us in, and He loves us, and He is committed to us. He is faithful to us. He doesn't let go, and as long as we don't just slam the door and run away, He is always there for us. And our lives are what our our marriages are supposed to be a picture of this. And so as we understand it how you know and this is this is hard. And so we kind of start as we already start thinking about difficulties that we have had in our marriages, and broken marriages, they're all around us, and we've experienced those things, we've been close to those things and had those times it shows us, it makes us aware that really our relationship with God can be that difficult, at least from our end. It's tough. It's tough for us to stay committed to God just like it's tough for us to stay committed with somebody who is made to compliment us, but so many times those ways that we're different, it makes us butt heads and it puts up a a wall between us. And we have to learn... That that is what God, a relationship with God can be like. At least from our standpoint of going to Him. It's, it's hard. Marriage is difficult. We've got to realize that a relationship with God can be difficult. And it requires us to be committed. That's this idea of love is commitment. Even when it gets hard, I'm still committed to it. You know, and I think a little bit to when I was young and I would roll that pencil on, or I'd put the pencil down on the table and say, God, if you're really there, just move the pencil. You know, I know how easy this would be. Prove to me that you're there, God, by moving that pencil. Oh, so easy for you, dear God. Prove to me that you're there. And... I was wrestling with that. Our relationship with God can be like that. It can be difficult, and we can struggle. And you know what? God never moved that pencil. But we worked together through that. And even though it was hard for me, I maintained that relationship, and I kept pushing, I kept believing, I kept holding on to God, and I kept talking to Him even when I was doubting Him. You know, that's the funny thing about putting that pencil down. I didn't do it just once. I kept doing it because I still believed he was there. And so we keep working on our relationship with God and we got to keep working on our relationships with our spouse. We must learn covenantal, faithful love that can be nurtured. That nurture part is the work part. We want to grow closer together, closer and closer and closer Just like we want to grow closer to God. Closer together instead of growing farther and farther apart. That's the natural flow of marriages. It's a natural flow of anything is to fall apart and get farther apart. This world as it spins, the universe as it spins, and atoms as they spin, the tendency is for everything to fall apart. That's why the fact that there is a creation is so remarkable because uh, things don't usually come together and make more organization. They fall apart. For two to come together, it requires turning away from others. And let me make the point about our relationship with God. Just like a marriage requires you to say no to everybody else, When we come to God, we are saying no to everything else. Our focus is on Him. Our faithfulness is to Him. We love Him and we want to grow closer to Him. And that must must be our same attitude towards our spouse. And the neat thing then is we draw closer to God. You think about the pyramid now. uh, The triangle, I should say. As you have a man and a wife... Oh, they think they're all oh so close that it'll, it'll, it'll wet on the wedding day. We're, we're perfect together, we're a perfect match. And then start, you get married and you start going through life, and you find out, oh, we think differently about this and that, and it gets harder, right? And you realize, oh, we've got to grow together. The best way for you to grow together with your spouse is to, both, for both parties to grow closer to God. And as you think about two, as they grow closer to God, and you make it your commitment to grow closer to God, that as you move closer to God, then you're coming closer and closer together. I love that picture of a triangle when it pertains to marriage. Draw closer to God, and you'll draw closer to one another. So read together and pray together. Do those things that uh, life tries to uh, fill your fill up all of the time you have with other things and you're like, oh, we got to do something to nurture our relationship. Do those things. Nurture the relationship. And for those of you who aren't married yet, you might be married someday, the encouragement for you is to find a spouse who will pull you towards God. And you can walk hand in hand together and grow towards God. Don't look for somebody who's going to push you away from God. And also make sure that you are a spouse who is bringing your spouse, your husband and wife, because they have married you, they're going to be growing closer to God. Be that kind of person. Look for that kind of person. Okay, so now to the Ephesians. And that's really the... The thrust of this message uh, we'll get to at the bottom. It kind of comes back. But these points from Ephesians, I'm just going to go through quickly. But go to Ephesians 5. And there's a lot of information that is great information about the relationship of a husband and wife, the wife to the husband, the husband to the wife. Great information in here that we find, and after we're done and we consider the information that is taught to us about husbands and wife, again, he turns it right back and says, well, we're really talking about your relationship with Christ. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So, wives, the question do you submit to your husband? Are you subject? And that's the, the word submission I'm using interchangeably with this idea of being subject to. You know, so if somebody is, you know, the church is subject to Christ because Christ is in charge, well, in a family. The man is spiritually, he is the head of the family. Are you willing to subject yourself to him? How well do you do that? Do you subject your, to your husband? Sub, do you submit to your husband? Um, more on that later. Uh, verses 25 through 27 of Ephesian, Ephesians. It turns to the husbands now. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself up for her. And by the way, pause, a lot of times people hear that, well, one's supposed to subject themselves and the other one's to love. And it seems like the idea to love somebody is, well, that's so much easier than being in subjection to somebody. I don't think that's the case. Because love is defined here. This covenantal, faithful, loyal love sacrifice love, the word sacrifice and and denial of self to put somebody else first comes into play here. And that is the essence I would ask you to consider that the command for the, uh, the husband is as difficult, if not more challenging, than the command to the wife. Verse 25, again, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle in any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So the command to love is tied to Christ. Christ, how much did he love? He died for the one that he loves, the church. So husbands, do you love your wife with a self-sacrificing love? And all husbands join with me in saying, boy, I could do better at that. Husbands, do you love your wife as your own body? Verse 28 goes on. It says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, um, just as Christ also does the church. So husbands, this next question was, do you love your wife as your own body? Husband, do you nourish and cherish your wife? Two questions here, really, um, you know, and it goes back to this idea of, you know, in the overall picture of the marriage. Are you nurturing the marriage? So are you nurturing your wife? Are you working for that? Or do you think about being fruitful and multiplying as the command was in the garden? Part of the fruitfulness is that your marriage is growing. You're committed to that. You're working on that. It's not something that's just there. Are you committed to nourishing and cherishing your wife? You know, holding your wife above all things. Do you cherish her? Does she feel cherished? Not do you think you do something that makes her cherished, but actually, are you doing things that actually accomplish that? Um, those the five love language was has been very popular for years now, and sometimes people. You know, you'll give out love the way that you want to be loved, and then the other, you're, you're loving your spouse in the way that you like to be loved, and it turns out the whole time your spouse feels unloved because they're not loving you're not loving them in the way that they feel loved. So you have to work on loving each other in a way that honors and actually does cherish your spouse. Um, Ephesians 5.31 it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then here's that, that question I just posed this. Are you committed to your spouse? Two, coming together to be one, forsaking all others. You're in a covenantal relationship, nurturing that, growing that, coming closer together, not being separated little by little, but little by little, you're getting closer to God and closer to one another. Do you have that kind of commitment? Are you faithful to that? Another question. Then we jump down to verse thirty-three. A question for the wife. It says, "Never, uh, nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife as even even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband." So, a new word here for the women. The wife was told to submit, and now there's this word of respect, this fear honoring the husband. Do you have that kind of respect for your husband? And then I jump it back to the thought that I've proposed to you. So those are all good questions. Your relationship with your spouse is very important, very, very important, because it informs your relationship with God. And that is what we get back to now. It says, our relationship with our spouse teaches about our relationship with God. 5.32 This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. All of this information, starting back in verse 22, it really is, it's all about Christ and the church. When he started talking to the um, Verse, 20, verse 22, talking to, to the wives. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He was teaching about the church. Husband's loving your wife. He was teaching about how much Christ loved the church. Gave himself up for her. That's the teaching. That's what we're supposed to learn. We're supposed to understand how important our relationship with our spouse is because it informs and teaches us about how much, really, We love God. If I don't love my wife, then I don't love God. Wives, if you don't respect your husband, if you're not subject to your husband, then you aren't subject and respectful to God. And there's nuance in there. Husbands, you better be respectable people. Uh, Give the wives somebody who is worthy of respect. There's a lot that goes on there. Do you fulfill these things? Are you learning from these things? And the verse that really comes to my mind, which I take, um, I, I want to say I take a little bit out of context, not completely out of context, but look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. And this is just talking about loving your brother, loving, loving uh, another, another believer, a brother or sister in Christ but I, I really think it in that context it really broadens because there's this sense that all mankind, we're all children of God, so even the heathen are our brothers in that sense. They, aren't the heathen, they're, they were formed by God, they're created by God, they bear the image of God, and God wants them to come back to Him. He wants them to repent from their ways. So there's this broader sense, we're all brethren in Christ, but then we have brothers that are humankind brothers and sisters. And I think this, talking about in this passage, um, claiming to love God, we claim to love God, but then we hate our brother. We don't hate anybody in the church. We don't hate anybody outside of the church. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You think about this idea. I just looked at the clock. Now I'm supposed to be done. So I'll wrap it up. You think about this. This verse makes it sound like, man, if you can't love somebody that you can see and that you're right there with, how can you love God whom you cannot see? And if you apply that thought to marriage, man, if you can't love your spouse, you can't love your wife, you can't love your husband who's right there with you who you can see, if you can't do that, how can you love God? Makes it sound like you can't, and it makes me think. You know, why did God make us like this whole marriage thing, male and female thing? Why was it even like that in the beginning? And did God make us like this? So, and then say, draw us towards each other and make us desire each other because we're complementary to each other, and we want to be with somebody. We don't want to be alone, and even though we're different and it's harder. Did he do all of that so that when two come together and don't be like Solomon and mess it all up and make it one come together with a thousand, you know, that's messed up, but two, just one man, one woman coming together for life and being one and working at that and being committed to that. That, He made it like this to teach us that he wants us to come near to him and be drawn to him And even though he thinks differently than we do, that we're committed to to submitting to him and respecting him with fear and loving him and loving others, it's all about teaching us. Because marriage is hard. It requires commitment. Love is hard. It requires a decision to stick to it even when it's hard. And it's why it's here to teach us we can't love our spouse, then how can we love God? So all of this information, you look at this and you consider this, how does all of that apply to our relationship with God? Consider that. How does your relationship with your spouse reflect your relationship with God? Have you gone all in with your relationship with your spouse? When you do that and you work towards it, that shows that you're willing to be all in with your relationship with God and you know how to work towards that. Just a question to think about what if God treated you the way you treat your spouse? That kind of puts it all in perspective. So today I just ask you to focus on, for those of us who are married or someday maybe you want to be married, realize this relationship is its so important and it tells us so much about our relationship with Christ. So if we're committed to God, we're going to be faithful to God, we're going to forsake all other things, and we need to consider, can we even do that with Somebody that we can see and be with and, and enjoy. And Can we do it down here? Can we do it in the flesh? So focus on that relationship with your husband, with your wife. Keep working on it. Don't give up. Don't ignore it. Don't put it to the side. Nurture it. Draw closer to God. And draw closer together. May we all commit to that. If uh, there's anybody here who needs the prayers today, you're welcome to come and we'll pray for you. And if there's anybody who uh, you want to be in this kind of committed relationship with Jesus Christ, you want to be joined together with Him, be one with Him, you do that when you get married to Him in baptism If there's anybody here who wants to do that, I encourage you to come today as we stand and sing number 662.